0: Sick Boy Wolfgang Productions presents The Offering with Jerry Horror. A deep dive into the history of film and its filmmakers. Mostly horror, always genre. If you like vintage and retro style, you'll be shopping at these two shops. Paper Doll Vintage Boutique and Paper Doll Curiosity Shop. Long Island's premier shops for vintage, retro, gifts, and more Paper Doll Vintage in Sayville has all one of a true kind vintage clothing and accessories for the true vintage lover. While Paper Doll Curiosity and Patchogue carries retro novelty gifts, toys, clothing. They've got something for everybody. Got something for the whole family. You want the credentials. Paper Doll Vintage Boutique has won first place in best vintage clothing store in the Long Island Press's best of Long Island. Seven years in a row, undefeated. Can your vintage and retro store say that? I'm going to tell you what, probably not. Because of the unique nature of the items sold there at both stores, the shop has become a local hub for artists, the community, hosting monthly art shows, classes, events, and even fashion shows. You got to check this out. You got to come down. You got to see it. From theme party goers, theater stylists, companies, photographers, designers, all facets of the industry, how about that period film project? You know, the one that you've been thinking of that needs authentic wardrobe and props? Paper Doll Vintage. Paper Doll Vintage Boutique and Curiosity Shop specializes in distinctive items that are hard to find anywhere else. One of a kind, one of a kind. And you're one of a kind and you deserve that. Shop paperdoll.com and express your personal style. Knows Best Candles is a soy wax candle company owned by two Long Island natives turned Manhattanites. They hand pour small batches of cheeky candles that inspire the euphoric feeling of synesthesia. Each candle pairs an enchanting dual fragrance with a curated Spotify playlist to help you set your mood at home. Not to mention, the names of these candles are a conversation starter themselves. Bestsellers include Bitch Goddess, Mountain Daddy, and send nudes. Their 2021 limited edition Halloween candle is named OMG I'm Dead. That's my favorite. The perfect scent to burn while enjoying your favorite horror podcast. Enjoy 10% off your candle haul this fall using the code JerryHorror10. You can shop on NoseBestCandles.com Again, 10% off any purchases using. Jerry Hara 10 Welcome to The Offering with Jerry Hara The show where we can have a quiet and frank discussion as adults About the things that matter to me Or at least that I think matter to me Please take a moment to subscribe to our show Wherever you get fine podcasts And hey, stay up to date on future episodes This week on The Offering, I'm covering Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 from 2009, like it or not. Ladies and gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, welcome to The Offering with me your host Jerry Har. So folks, we're back. We're hanging out. It's October. It's the beginning of spooky season. Uh, for a lot of folks, that means different things. I always say that horror is such a, a broad genre. It really doesn't matter. Some people, you know, you're into stuff like Hocus Pocus or maybe The Nightmare Before Christmas. Some people it means you got to break out the Halloween movies and that's all you can watch throughout the month of uh, October amc fear fest which now i have to say this year like tubi um even netflix especially disney plus they've all like come up to play everybody's got their solid roster of horror movies this year which is insane i mean i was really impressed with tubi just a lot of the selections and it's not even obvious stuff or cheap stuff it's deep cuts you've got some david cronenberg john carpenter there are films in there uh, with a pedigree so hey if you're sitting home and you're avoiding other human beings not because of a crazy pandemic just because you're avoiding other human beings which i've done so i've been prepared for this the entire time um shut-ins and nerds we were prepared for this it's uh (laughs) not that hard for us it's not like i was sitting home on a friday night doing anything else very exciting so this has not been a crazy transition. But hey, if you're a consumer of streaming content like I am, this is where I'd probably stick in an advertisement, but we're not gonna do that because, you know, we just we haven't we haven't reached that milestone yet where um Tubi hollers at me. Tubi's like, oh, Jerry Hara, he's he's what we need to push this horror lineup. And they might. I mean they got ghoulish Gary Pullen to do their art. Uh, Gary Pullen, if you're not familiar with his work. Ghoulish Gary Pullen on Instagram. Take a look. Fantastic stuff. Uh, You've probably seen his artwork. You just haven't realized it. That's how a lot of these uh, folks are. So, I'm working at a haunt this month, which is pretty crazy. Go to, I believe, Dark Knight. Not like Dark Knight, like Batman. The Dark Knight Returns. DarkKnightLi.com It's a couple of friends that are producing this show, and it is crazy. You basically get in a time machine... You go back to 1999, and uh, it's a very dark and sinister version of 1999. So uh, it's cool. It's, it's definitely it's for the family. Bring the whole family to DarkNightLI.com. Uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. There's music from the 90s. So if you're the parents or older, you're like, oh, I remember this time. I don't want to give away a lot of what's in there. Because I feel that it's, it's an experience. And back in the old days, we used to have very... We had dark rides. We had haunted houses. There was a formula. But everything has expanded so much now. That's why I call it a haunted attraction. Maybe you could call it a spooky walk. Maybe, you know, whatever you want to call it. But it's a 35 to 45 minute attraction that you're going through. And I'll be honest with you. That's a long time because again you're not sitting on your fat ass in a movie theater you're going through this attraction and you're in the you know you're in the horror movie it's completely submersive so that's a long time 90 minutes with a slasher villain is one thing but damn 35 45 minutes to get through Dark Knight Li that's a lot ooh Yeah, even for me. Look, everybody says to me, like, oh, you're Jerry Horror, blah, 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 blah. You must not be afraid of anything. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of germs. I'm afraid of cancer. I'm afraid of everything. I'm afraid of Americans, like David Bowie. No, I'm afraid of everything. And it's even like when you do the Halloween Horror Nights at Orlando or Hollywood. By the time you get through your ninth or tenth haunted house, your nerves are just shot. You're like, Jesus, what am I doing to myself? You know, I could have just been drinking at Mo's this whole time. By the way, and this is just a side note, Universal, they're probably going to lose unless something happens. I think it's 2028. They lose the license to the Simpsons. They've got to step their game up with Mo's. Don't allow children in there. Make it a little danker. And, and this is, I don't know why they haven't done this. They should be opening up Moe's taverns in every major city. It, it would do very well. People would go in there. I'm telling you, folks, I had an epiphany the other night. You just open a place where people take friggin' selfies. I mean, what, what else what else is there? What else do people want to do? They want to come, they want to flex on social media, so charge them. I don't know what else to tell you. You know, if you're looking to open a venue, you have to make sure. And I don't care. You don't you don't have to use Buzzwords, millennials, and generation People, humans Because let me tell you something At Dark Knight L.I., I saw an old lady This old, I'm I'm, I'm scary monster I'm stalking this lady She gets out a friggin' phone Which she's not supposed to do They tell you, you, you traveled back into 1999 No phone But obviously she didn't get the memo Or go through the time machine like everyone else There's a time machine, come down So this woman, ostensibly She's like in her 60s and she's the one, not all the kids, not all the teenagers, not all the folks in their 20s. The lady in her 60s pulls out the phone. She got a flex for the gram. You know what I'm saying? She's going to send that out. like She's like, look what I did last night. Then, you know, it's, it is what it is. But folks, this is the end. Not forever. Not forever. This is not the end forever. We have reached the pinnacle, the apex of this season. This is the season finale. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, go back into the library. You've got 24 other episodes to listen to. And again, we thank you because it's... Let me be honest, and I'm sure you figured this out if you're a listener. If not, you're a new listener. We're going to expose it a little bit. I'm the only guy here except for Producer Pete. He's he's doing all the work behind the boards and making everything sound fantastic. The show would not be possible without him. Uh, he's my partner, he's my silent partner But other than that, it's just me So a lot of times when I'm preparing this stuff It's a bit like a college syllabus And it's a lot of information And in, in fact, if you come up to me During the week of me doing a show I can tell you 40 other things It, it, it really never ends Because there's always something that I forget To put in the show And I hear about it on social media <laughs> it Hit me up during the uh, the season lull At Jerry Horror uh, it's crazy You know, when we started this show in May We did not know what it was uh, We kind of learned over time It's been a learning process It's been a growing process But the feedback has been very positive And we couldn't do it without you So thank you, dear listener I appreciate everything you've done And I appreciate everything you're going to do Because I know that the people that listen to me are good people They don't want the bullshit. I'm not here for a hot take, even though I love Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, which upsets people to no end. But as time has gone on, it's become a less offensive opinion. I meet more and more people that enjoy this movie. So, folks, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And I promise when we come back, oh, hey, there might be surprises. There might not be. But regardless of that, when we come back, it's going to be bigger, better, and badder. I promise. Until then, go back into the archive. Check me out on social media. And hey, in the meantime, folks, let's get into Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. This is it, folks. Season finale. You ready? Okay, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 from 2009. It's an infamous movie. Some people didn't like the first Halloween that Rob Zombie did. Made a lot of money over the box. Art, the weekend of uh, what was that Labor Day? Yeah, Labor Day. Yeah. Halloween. Well, Rob Zombie's Halloween had the distinguished honor of having that Labor Day highest-grossing weekend. And then Shang Chi. And the master of the ten rings, ten rings came along and just blew it out of the water. So uh, whatever honor or distinction Rob Zombie's film had, it made a lot of money. But I think a lot of people saw this film and they said to themselves, "I've thank you, Mr. Zombie. That's enough. I'm <laughs> I've had my fill of what you bring to the table, and I'm going. This is where we part ways. It was a you know it was it was a first date." It was the first date, and everybody just collectively kind of walked away. Except for me. Um, I really like Rob Zombie's Halloween. It's goofy in some places. I think it's a, I think it's a really good movie. When I was a kid and I was, I was growing up, y- you would read these one-shots. They were like graphic novels that were outside of the current continuity of a comic book. It was little side adventures. You know, hey, what happens if the Punisher and Daredevil went on a road trip? You know, they were like these cool little offshoot stories. So Zombies Halloween is its own pocket universe, so I kind of consider it like one of those offshoots. It's another universe, it's another storyline, it's another continuity. Some people weren't able to do that. I've been working a haunted house this season, a haunted attraction, and I had a guy last night, probably in his early 50s, explaining to a kid who was probably in his late teens. He's like, have you ever seen Halloween Halloween? You know, John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. And the kid's like, no. And I'm just like, my heart just like, I was like, oh, (laughs) I almost fainted. I was like, but that's that's the reality of the situation. This kid had never seen uh, the John Carpenter version. Uh, Believe it or not, I run into a lot of kids, younger people who have seen the Rob Zombie films, and they hold that as their gospel. And that's fine. It, It is what it is. If you grew up with the first film, though, John Carpenter, it's a perfect movie. You just you got to get with the fact that young people are going to be influenced by whatever the hell their parents show them or whatever their first turn on was. They probably saw the the Rob Zombie version, which was made in 2007, made a lot of money. People liked it. Dimension Pictures thought this could be a, a resurgence for them with Rob Zombie being their new horror director. Well, it is what it is. So let's go back to 2009 in order to preface and set up this whole thing. I killed him. I killed him. Who'd you kill, sweetie? Who'd you kill? I killed him. Bring us together again. He's out there, no, there's no one out here. We are all counting on you to take us home this year. I'll go have some fun. Help me. On August 28th, evil is here. It's walking amongst us. Michael is more. Ready for what was at the top of the charts in 2009 It's pretty terrible Look, whatever We were there, but I have to bring you back To this time period for you In order to understand where we were at Culturally I got a feeling by the Black Eyed Peas Do you remember that? Do you remember the end? The energy never dies And it was the record that ostensibly was everywhere It was just omnipresent At this time Knock you down with Carrie Hilson which also had the remix of Kanye West. Linkin Park, The New Divide. Uh, well, it's not even a uh, or the. It's just New Divide. That's it. There's nothing more. I believe, I, I don't quote me on this, I think this is from one of the Transformers movies, the Michael Bay Transformers. Moving on. Fire Burning with Sean Kingston. Do you remember that one? Remember that burning up the charts? I, I feel like Sean Kingston, and he's made money in, He's like one of these guys who is, from what I understand, very normal and well well put together. He's kind of like a, a music industry, behind-the-scenes type of guy now. Top movies. Okay. Are you ready for some of the top movies of 2009 at this time period? G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. Yeah. Does anybody even remember that? Does anybody remember Channing Tatum, Marlon Wayans, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Joseph Gordon-Levitt being Cobra Commander in that film, but not until the end because it was like Cobra Commander begins. Oh, excuse me. It was The Rise of Cobra. Stephen Summers from The Mummy tried to do some interesting things with that movie, but ultimately it's... Yeah. Inglorious Bastards, which I love. It's a great Tarantino flick. It's among the last of the films that were made Partially with the Weinstein before he flipped the script. District 9. Everybody loves District 9. I will even say that Neil Blomkamp really never lived up to his potential after that film. Hot take there. Get at me, Neil Blomkamp. I will arm wrestle you. You son of a bitch. Why so much vitriol for this guy? I don't know. The Final Destination. Not final de- Not the other ones. This is the f- V. We're adding a V. T-H-E. The v, Final Destination. Eh, it is what it is. It's it's one of the lesser entries, but I'll watch it any day. Orphan, which they're finally making a sequel to. I, I really don't know how, but they're doing it. Okay, so I saw this film. Uh, came out, I believe, August 28th of 2009. Had a $15 million budget. Grossed $39 million. It made its money back, theoretically. Well, at least it made, it made its production budget... And it made probably the advertising budget back. So that, that's not so bad. The running time on this was 105 minutes theatrically. The director's cut runs at about 118 minutes. Seems so like just, it depends, maybe 13 minutes difference, which does. And let me explain. The director's cut is wildly different. And the main reason is that um, Scout Taylor Compton, who plays Laurie Strode again in this film, in Zombie's theatrical cut, she's she's very kind of like sad and, and kind of goes with the flow. And then in the director's cut, there's like a whole different series of takes. And she comes off as very whiny and aggressive. And on home media, like a lot of people didn't see this in theaters. So on home media, you've been getting the director's cut. When this plays on Cinemax or whatever, it's the director's cut. So Lori comes off as an utter petulant bitch. And I understand that there's trauma. I understand this is the way that she's dealing with this. Psychiatrist in this film, played by Margot Kidder. We, we like Margot Kidder here at the offering. We miss Margot Kidder. Great little cameo, though. So some people will tell you that scout taylor compton's performance kind of weighs this movie down i don't know i mean yeah i'll agree with it i don't like her performance when she's the little petulant bitch i like it when she's a little more of a kind of a wounded victim you know who's questioning her sanity that's just me those are the choices i would have made So Labor Day weekend, the first Halloween comes out, Rob Zombie's Halloween, which, by the way, John Carpenter said to Rob Zombie, Rob basically called Carpenter. He's like, can I get your blessing on this? And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I'm going to get paid. I don't give a shit, which is like John Carpenter's reaction. Like, we're now officially in the old man Logan stage of John Carpenter, where he just he wants to smoke joints, big fat joints, and he wants to play NBA live. Like, that's where we're at with John Carpenter. And you know what? God bless him. He says, I'll make the music, I'll go on tour, but I'm not directing movies. And you know what, Rob Zombie? I'm getting a big fat check from Dimension, so do you. So Zombie was like, okay, I <laughs> guess that was the cosign. And that's kind of a nice cosign. He says, you know, do whatever you want with this. Movie made money. Zombie was looking to leapfrog with the first Halloween film. He's like, "How can I take my my career to the next level because I'm doing a remake here, I want to do something different." And largely where Halloween suffers is that 75 to 80% of the movie is Rob Zombie's Halloween, and then we have the 1978 remake shoehorned into the last 25 minutes of that movie, and it suffers for it. It they should have just let Zombie it because they have to go back into the trope of The original film, they just it's in some ways it's a shot for shot recreation. I I don't know that to me. That's where that 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 first film falls apart, to be perfectly honest with you. So basically dimensions like, look, we need a sequel this far. It made money. Rob Zombie really wasn't checking for the sequel, wasn't really sure he was going to do it. And then basically one of the executives from Dimension said to him, hey, look, if you do this, you do it. We'll give you a budget and it'll be great. But if not, we're going to move forward without you. And this was in 2008. So a couple of different passes on the script happened. They were trying to figure out where they were going to go with this. They really didn't have a plan. They knew they wanted a sequel, but they didn't know, well, is it going to be, you know, another person directing it? Long story short, they get zombie back. They started shooting this movie in March of 2009 to fulfill the August 28th release date. And again, this was a precedent that had been set by H2O and then Resurrection and then Halloween. And they were releasing these movies at you know, at the in in the summertime, which kind of seemed silly. You know, when I saw Halloween 2018, it's like, okay, the leaves are coming off the trees. You know, we're getting ready for Halloween kills. This, this is the time. It's called Halloween. What's interesting about this film comes out August 28th, right? And a lot of people didn't know this, but it low-key had a run that week of Halloween. I think it was like the 28th, the 29th, and the 31st, oh, and the 30th, Halloween 2 played theaters. It like came back into theaters, didn't really do anything. Uh, the the look. So initially, we got a teaser poster, and in this teaser poster, it's Rob. Well, it's Rob Zombie's Michael Myers. He's in a cornfield, and it look. It looked. Well, it doesn't look like it is. He's got a girl's ponytail in one hand, and he's reaching up the knife with the other. Movie theaters uh, kind of flipped shit on this. They did not like this artwork. They found it to be very graphic, very violent. So. If you have one of those posters, they're not worth a billion dollars, but they're worth a couple of bucks now, and they keep going up. So what they do is they decide, okay, so they pull those posters, and when they put the poster back out, they cover up the top of the girl's head, so you only see Michael Myers lunging up with the knife, and that was kind of their fix, And, and to be perfectly honest with you, it was an easy fix, you know, you're just kind of digitally erasing the top of the girl's head. So, even from when this film started being marketed, and again, this was a quick process, and uh, they were like, You're gonna make this movie between X and X. Um, Zombie said that while he was making this movie, like it started out that he had this $15 million budget, and then 15 turned to 13, and 13 turned to 12.5, and the producers were kind of pilfering money out of this film. So it was one of these experiences that kind of soured him on working with Dimension ever again. Zombie has gone on to say, for the record, that the first movie was a terrible experience. I thought, how much worse could it get? And then he said, we made Halloween too. We'll be right back with more of The Offering with Jerry Horror. monster lovers, young and old, living and dead. You can now make it Halloween all year round. The Gooligans are dying for you to check out their creepy comedy horror show now on their YouTube channel. Have you been ravenous for programs that are geared more towards your sick sensibility? Have you been fiending for horror and comedy so fun that it makes you wanna scream? Well, dig no further full episodes of the Gooligans miniseries are available for you to sink your teeth into. And if you don't know about the Gooligans, it's like the monkeys meets the monsters meets Pee-wee's Playhouse. These fun party monsters exist purely to bring on the death of your life-sucking normal everyday TV show. The Gooligans follows the adventures of Boris Stein, the monstrous Frankenstein construct, Wolfgang W. Wolfgang, the likable Lycanthrope, and Void, King of the Slow Zombies, joined by a cadre of your favorite cult Cretans, including vampires, sea creatures, luchadors, and sexy go-go girls. Check out the full episodes of their mini-series now on the Gooligans YouTube channel, and have a scary good time. Where can I get my pickles when I can't get to a farmer's market or festival? The answer is Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. Listen, I've been selling a small pickle my whole life. I know all about it. From the vine to the brine, they keep their pickles cold with a delicious diverse selection of gourmet pickles, including their savory classic bread and butter sweet chip, Horseradish pickle, jalapeno pickle, and sweet Cajun pickle. They even got pickled beets and okra, a variety of sour treats for your next barbecue or get together. But if you visit their store in Bayville, Long Island, New York, there's so much more, so much more. A fantastic selection of physical media, comics, music, movies, VHS, and Matt Roran, their enthusiastic pickle salesman. It's kind of a big deal. Check them out now at HormansBestPickles.com. Hey, quit jerking your gherkin and head over to Pickle Island in Bayville, New York. You're listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. Got a question or a story you want to share with me? It might be featured in a future episode. Email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at jerryhara. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there, at Jerry Hara. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcast, and you might find your review in an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the offering. Now back to the show. Can I also say, just as a side note here, folks, I like the scumbag version of Loomis. It's different, okay? This is a, this is a different Loomis. And I see him as a villain in this film, and I think that's interesting. It's a different take. It's zombie going for the gusto, swinging for the fences. And I think he could have gone further with that plot line. I I really like Dr. Loomis being kind of this author and he's a heel. And I mean, come on, at this point, Malcolm McDowell is just chewing scenery. I mean, that's what he's doing. And he's having a good time doing it. I, I can tell. Sometimes when certain directors work with actors, you can see that there's an innate joy in their eyes, and you can feel that with Malcolm McDowell uh, working with Zombie. I mean, look, and this is the craziest part about this. I enjoy this film, okay? I'm going to tell you, a lot of people do not like this film. I enjoy this film. And if you don't, that's fine. But I'm telling you, if you haven't seen it in some time, this movie, the reason that I'm doing this is because I believe that Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 has been long overdue for a critical reappraisal. Look, I'm not saying this movie's Citizen Kane. I'm not saying it's, oh my god, this is a breathtaking work of cinema. What I am saying is that you need to watch it again, because you might have been soured on the first one. But this film, man, there's something special and sleazy about it. So let me just go on my diatribe. This is the most important part of this entire episode. If you only take this one thing, please. This is this is the takeaway. Rob Zombie admitted recently, this is like within the last year or two, that for Halloween 2, a complete documentary was made, like a two and a half hour, three, three hour documentary was made about the making of Halloween 2. Uh, he was basically showing people how fucked up things were during production. The Weinstein's get wind of this, and they buried it. No one knows what happened to it, uh, and I'm sure, like Rob Zombie, to this day, to his you know to his credit, he doesn't he doesn't talk bad about people. He says he had a lot of problems with this movie, but he's not going to say who. But this documentary, and I hope. Look, I hope. 10 years from now, five years from now, somebody unearths this this piece of evidence. But it it basically painted Dimension and the Weinstein brothers in an even worse light than we can imagine. That's been kind of the the whole overarching theme of these episodes that I've been doing. This film is much so very the fall. It's the end of the Dimension era. If it started in 96 with Scream... This is 2009 and the wheels are falling off until you get to scream four because that's 2011. And that's the last big horror release for dimension. That was kind of like, Hey, we're going to put all the chips on the table. If scream four does well. It does well. Eh, it, it did well. It just wasn't enough to revitalize dimension. So they bury this documentary. And I think everybody wants to, and needs to see this documentary. Because it might explain why this film had to be shot so quickly. I think they jerked Zombie on, on the budget, on everything. And they, they kept telling him, when they first started making the movie, they told him, hey, look, remember what worked in the first movie? Make it like the first movie. And then when he started trying to do that, they were like, okay, no, 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 no. Go back to the 1981 uh, Halloween 2." Now, do it like that. Do it like that. And he, from day to day, he was getting notes from producers, from Dimension. He didn't know what movie he was making. Rob Zombie went on to say The first film came out pretty good, even though it was a pain in the ass to make. I figured the second should be no different, but it was worse and ultimately broke me as a creator. Uh, Zombie at this point was thinking that after Halloween 2, he was never going to direct again. He was just going to go back to the world of music, art, and do his own thing, and he would never make films again. As I am doing this episode right now, he is shooting The monsters, and we are all very cautiously optimistic as to what he'll do. Could be very cool. I will say, after this film, he makes Lords of Salem, which is totally something you should stay tuned for, because probably going to do that one. That's a favorite of mine. Lords of Salem is low-key a modern horror classic, okay? The movie doesn't get enough love. Uh, We'll get into that on another time and another date. Maybe in season two. Maybe in season three. Who knows? Uh, Unfortunately, it was even worse than that for Zombie. By the time the film went into production, that 15 million was now 11 million. And Zombie had to scramble, make rewrites, make changes, and shoot stuff on the fly. Now, originally, part of the appeal for Rob Zombie to come back for this film was that the executives that were in charge were like you do whatever you want you can look Rob you made us a lot of money with that first picture you come back you do it how you like it and that was not the case they pulled a bait and switch that's it it's that simple okay so this movie <laughs> has a crazy cameo in the beginning well you know of Octavia Spencer this movie takes place You hear, you know, the moody blues, Nights in White Satin. It's raining. It's a hospital. Michael Myers is stalking Laurie and he runs into Octavia Spencer, who is a nurse at this hospital. He stabs her, I think, 15 or 16 times. I mean, it's up to the imagination. But even in the director's cut, he even though it's off camera, the viciousness. And I think that's why I love this movie. That opening scene with Octavia Spencer being stabbed that many times, while it's gratuitous, there's a certain amount of viciousness and brutality. Michael Myers always killed people, sometimes in a bloodless way, sometimes like in Curse of Michael Myers, he makes their head explode. Some of those other movies like Curse and even like Resurrection, they become almost like, he's like Jason in those movies. He's just doing crazy stuff. But there is just... There's some there's anger. There's literal anger in this performance. You can see right through it. And again, Tyler Main took this role last minute to come back as Michael Myers. And there is just a certain nastiness. Lori's leg is is kind of in this immobilizer. And she's falling down like metal stairs. There's just, there's this relentless pacing, and that mixed with the moody blues and the rain and everything going on, you're just like, wow, this is, man, we're just getting right to it. Now, okay, Blue Sky, let Jerry step into the editing process. Kill Lori. Get it done with. Lori Strode's character is done in this movie. This movie should have focused on Brad Dourif and Daniel Harris, The Brackets, that should have been this movie. They should have killed Taylor Scout. And let me tell you something. You want to talk about in the tradition of Scream? If you killed off Laurie in that first reel, it might have pissed some people off. But I got news for you, Rob. They were already pissed off at you. It didn't matter. Okay. They didn't. Most of them didn't like your first film. So you know what? Go for the Grand Guignol. But you know, you know the reality. Dimension was not gonna allow it. So what happens, right before Michael Myers brutally murders his own sister finally, cutting to the chase of this entire series, she wakes up and it was a dream. Let me tell you something. There is one thing that I hate. I hate lazy writing. That's one. And number two, I hate dream sequences. It is such a cop-out. I swear to God... If I ever write something, whether it's a video game, a novel, a screenplay, if I write something and there's a dream sequence, you punch me right in the face. If you see me on the street, you say, hey, Jerry Hara, you said to the people you would never write a dream sequence and you did. I'm punching you in in the face and that's it. Do it. But that's my promise to you. I will. It's such a it's such Oh God. It's such a cop out for any writer. It disgusts me. It upsets me. I'm taking a deep breath here, folks. So we go into this whole storyline that, oh, you know, Laurie's, she's on medication. Margot Kidder is a psychiatrist. We start this film even with the whole white horse thing, and some people hate it. The white horse kind of symbolizes many different things to to many different people. You know, kind of is what it is. But Rob Zombie initially tells everybody he says, look, uh, the white horse means nothing. You know, basically, at this point, Sherry Moon Zombie is a ghost, right? And Michael Myers is following her and a white horse. And then at a certain point, there is a child version of him uh, that is following the mother and the white horse. And this is what he sees. Like, this isn't real, or at least I don't think it is for the most part. This is what Michael sees. And that's very interesting. But what happens is, when you have a movie that's all about what the killer is seeing, it kind of changes It changes the dynamic. Because we focus a little bit on Lori and her friends, but a lot of the focus is on Michael. And there was another big... There's another big... Gigantic thing about this movie that upset uh, Malika Cod, producer. Uh, they have a lot of this movie. And, and this is crazy because people thought that Rob Zombie was playing. It's Tyler Maine. And Tyler Maine is a great. But people thought Rob Zombie was playing Michael Myers. I don't know if they're stupid or, or how it works. But um, that would be interesting. That's something. But large stretches of this movie for mask fanatics out there. He doesn't have the mask on. And there's some people who don't like this mask. They don't like the big beard. They don't like that. Basically, Michael Myers is living off the land, and this whole incident triggers him with a dog. And it's rough. It's rough for a lot of people. Trigger warning, Michael. And I mean, Michael killed a dog. What, do you kill a dog in the first movie? He picks up a dog, just squeezes the life out of it. He kills another dog, and, and it's upsetting. It's, it's you know... Look, we'd rather see people get murdered than animals. We, we love the animals. So, part of the deal, again, we have to keep the concurrent storyline of mention stringing along Rob Zombie. They said, hey, look, you're going to get a director's cut when this hits Blu-ray. And the original ending had Michael Myers stabbing Loomis to death. Then Michael Myers is shot by the police. And then Lori puts on Michael's mask. She raises the knife. And she also gets shot by the police. The ending was a secret, fuck you, to the Weinsteins, so they couldn't backtrack and make a sequel. So that was basically this version. The director's cut, it's funny because they, they played all these games with Blu-ray uh, early on, you know, like the unrated saucy cut, you know, it was like all these stupid things and it was, it was a marketing angle. Sometimes you'd watch these unrated cuts for Blu-ray, and they were like a minute longer. You know, it was like 30 seconds of Will Ferrell farting. Stupid. Basically, what he was trying to do was make this director's cut canon, and he kind of secretly did. In September 2019, before the world imploded, Rob Zombie went on the Joe Rogan podcast and explained that the Halloween studio meddling ultimately became psychotic. He would have off maybe 12 hours out of a week, you know, in like three or four days of shooting nonstop, nonstop texts, nonstop faxes, non It just didn't end. They were literally on top of this poor guy to make this movie the entire time. And again, for his credit, Zombie did not name names or put anyone on blast. Uh, it, this is kind of, and again, like I said, 2009, this is the end of the megalomaniacal micromanagement of Dimension, Miramax. This is it. This is kind of the swan song. The director's cut is the most widely available version of this film. Again, you see it on Cinemax, you stream it, you, you're you going to get the director's cut. You've, whereas the theatrical cut has a bit of a slower pace. That's kind of one of the other giveaways. In the director's cut, we get more time with the ambulance drivers who are carrying Michael Myers in the beginning. There's that whole scene, you know, where... <laughs> the, well, I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it, but it's... Uh, when we see Lori being brought to the hospital in the beginning with the director's cut, it's much gorier. She's a, a way bigger mess, believe it or not. So, ultimately... The director's cut on, if I had to choose, it's more violent, it's more repugnant. And if you're going to go with it, you pretty much have, if you're going to look, if you're going to go pay for this on Amazon Prime right now and rent it, chances are you're getting the director's cut. So suck it up. And again, you're not going to like Lori because she's a complete asshole in the director's cut. And again, this is no disrespect to Scout Taylor Compton. She's a great actress. I think what it was was, There are two versions of this performance. She was told to play it a little more puppy dog and then to come off as just she's being consumed by rage. And honestly, that's one of the biggest complaints that I hear from a lot of fans is that she's annoying. She's grating. And you're pretty much just waiting for her to be murdered. The second film should have focused on the the brackets. Now, the white horse. And, And let me tell you something. When they finally do kill Daniel Harris, it's a big deal. It's upsetting because they intersperse like footage of behind the scenes stuff from Halloween four and five. And it's like, oh, we all kind of grew up with her and now we're seeing her viciously be murdered. Wasn't a big deal when we originally killed the character off in Curse of Michael Myers because it was just some other actress and we don't have the emotional connection as most people my age do with Daniel Harris and four and five. Now we got to get back to the White Horse thing. It's cinematic. And Zombie is on the fence of what it means, because like, I think he was just so pissed off with this this movie, he was like, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. And then he kind of changed his tune as the years have gone on. So here's what I'm going to tell you, because I think that Zombie's not an idiot. I think he's a smart guy, and I think he knew what he was doing. White horses symbolize a balance of power and wisdom. But a white horse may also symbolize death in many religious contexts. So... If we're going to follow what this popular definition is, power and wisdom. This is what Michael Myers is seeking. And eventually, Lori sees her mother and the white horse. But it's also the sweet embrace of death. You know, did Michael want to just kill his sister the whole time? Again, it's very loose. But this is uh, this is the question I get so much from so many people what did it mean? That's <laughs> that's about it. I mean, I did a little bit of reading in Christianity, and we're talking old testament stuff, the horse is straight up a symbol of death. So if you want to use that, like again, it's it's a white horse, so it's very cinematically visually striking, especially at nighttime. And again, that's the secret. This it's just lit. It's nighttime. It's you know what it what is Sherry Moon zombie. As, as Mrs. Myers. <laughs> the horse also represents power uh, Native American tribes. Native American tribes that also, they believed that the white horses were possessed by spirits, and the horses often won more battles than those who did not. So something, there was a magical quality to these creatures. They believe truly that the white horse contained the wisdom to make good choices and that's it folks again it looks good cinematically what does it really mean i don't know this guy had to shoot this movie they started pre-production in march had to have it in theaters by august so maybe it's just inconsequential but i don't know we get a lot of michael out of the mask and i'm kind of torn on that you know how it looks but again if we're seeing him and he just looks like me, some some big, haggard, homeless-looking guy, it's not really, it's something different, but it ain't much. The MVP, can I give you the MVP of Halloween 2? The real MVP of Halloween 2 is Sheriff Brackett, a.k.a. Brad Doroff, the voice of Chucky. He is acting his ass off, especially in the extended cut where he finds out that his daughter is murdered. It is... It's brutal. It's graphic. It's one of the most honest displays of grief. True shock and grief I've seen on screen. Some nasty stuff. But yeah, Brad Dourif, he's he's doing the most in this movie. It's again one of those things where his back hurt because he was so tired of carrying this movie. For the first time ever in Halloween 2. And again, well, okay. I, I'm not going to backtrack, but man, that scene in the strip club in this movie, dude, he stomps that guy's skull out. There's there's this whole sequence in a strip club, and, you know, it's kind of like Michael, and in some ways, like, I dig this, like, it's like Michael coming back to Haddonfield, he's coming back to the Rabbit and Red Lounge, and they're having this cheesy, shitty Halloween party, and he comes back, and he stomps dudes out, and he's murdering everyone, I kind of dig that. Yeah, the other thing I dig too is the big Halloween party Oh, Howard Hessman Howard Hessman appears in this film from WKRP in Cincinnati He plays the the owner of a coffee shop And everybody's just smoking weed Which you should I mean, it is what it is But in 2009, still a polarizing decision You know, like here in New York We just got legalized marijuana And it's going up for recreational next year Wow, next season's gonna be crazy We're just, producer Pete Everybody's gonna be on edibles yeah, so she works in this record shop, and she has these these cheeky new friends, and we know that they're just to add to the body count. That Halloween party is pretty cool, man. There's just... Rob Zombie came up before... You know, he obviously always had some kind of a band or musical project, but really the way that he came up through this whole thing was he was a production designer and, uh, you know, for Pee-Wee's uh, Playhouse. And that, people used to say, like, most of the budget for that show was for glue sticks and acid. And, and it's crazy how many people uh, that went through Pee-Wee's Playhouse went on. So many uh, production designers, animators, probably, probably produced some of the most influential art. And a lot of that went over, some of it went over back to Tim Burton, some of those people went over to Nickelodeon. So really a lot happened. But um, Zombies' production design... Nine times out of ten, if you give the guy a budget, he knows how to shoot a decent movie. Sometimes he doesn't. (laughs) I don't want to get like 31. I don't like 31. It's not shot in any way that's exciting. I remember when he did the Kickstarter for the project, it was promised to be something much different than it actually turned out to be. Not going to get into that. We'll talk about that at another time. Michael speaks for the first time in this movie. Are you shocked? Are you surprised? What does Michael say? Does Michael give a soliloquy on what's going on in his head? Absolutely not. He lunges at Dr. Loomis and says, die. And that's it. That's Michael Myers speaking. He says, die. That's. I mean, that's I mean, I guess if he was gonna talk, that's what he would say. This is and again, this movie is not for anyone, but it's got some great kills. There's some really nasty kills. That Danielle Harris kill, man, woo, it's brutal. Just brutal. It's again, there. This movie, this could have been really called the Revenge of Michael Myers because man, it's brutal. And Michael is not playing around in this movie. What I always did appreciate about Tyler Main's performance, especially in the first film, and more so even in this film. It's very physical. You know, he was a, he was a professional wrestler with WCW. He, he did a lot of different things, tough man competitions. He brings a physicality to this role, very akin to Kane Hodder in the Friday the 13th movies. That's what Zombie wanted. Zombie, you know, like, if it's just a regular guy who's the size of Nick Castle, Zombie didn't think it, you know, it was like, okay, well, what does this guy gonna do? He's some runt. He's the size of me. Zombie's not a big guy. Now you get a guy who's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and he's like almost 300 pounds. That's scary. That guy, you know, who knows what he can do? He's a giant. I like this movie. I don't care. I, I really don't. Uh, oh, by the numbers. Can I go through the numbers? Uh, like a, a very famous other person. has The director's cut has 20 kills. The theatrical cut had 19 Okay, so it's, it's on par. <laughs> now, it's funny that I say this with, with the 20 kills in the director's cut because I'm hearing this Halloween Kills movie has a big body count. Uh, if the rumors are true, the biggest in the entire series. In conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, Rob Zombie's Halloween films are not for everyone. In fact, because of all the trauma and horrible things that happened in the first film, I have a hard time watching it. It's uncomfortable. I also do not enjoy that shoehorned ending, which is basically the Cliff's Notes the Halloween 1978. I appreciate with this film that even with the confines that Rob Zombie had to work within, he still made a movie that was wholly a Rob Zombie movie. And that's admirable. And I try to explain this to people. It's okay to fail. It's okay not to get it right. But if you're gonna do it, make sure that you can A, own up to that failure, and B, that you did it upon your own accord. You swung for the fences. Can anybody really be mad at you? Can anybody say, well... You know, No, they can never take that away from you, that you brought your A-game, and you tried your hardest, and you did something different. And that is what Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is doing. It's doing something different. Again, I think it's an underrated classic. All right, maybe that's going a little bit far. Maybe even... A, it's an underrated gem. It's a solid 6 out of 10. And it gets a 7 from me because it's so brutal. It's just, Jesus Christ, what is Michael Myers? Well, he's just, he's a vengeance. And that's why I'm so excited for this new Halloween Kills. Because we're hearing about Michael going crazy, going on a rampage in the middle of Town Square in Haddonfield. What's that going to look like? Is it going to be like a Steven Seagal movie where one person at a time runs at him like, hey, I'll get you, and then he just stabs them? Who knows? Again, as producer Pete says, we will remain cautiously optimistic about look, man, I don't care. After the year that we had with all the you know, people complain about things. As Americans, we're so burnt out. We really are. After the last two years, the the pandemic, the election, the insurrection, everything that's gone on, we're tired. I'm tired. I don't want to argue with you. I don't want to fight with you. If you enjoy this film, you know what to do. You, you show me some love on social media. Okay? Maybe you share this show. Let's make the second season of this show bigger, brighter, faster, stronger, and even more relentless. And I'm going to need your help. It's going to take everybody from the Offering family to bring it all home. Okay? Going to need your help. Going to have to share. Maybe write some reviews. Say, hey. I really dig this offering show, and, and this guy's doing the Lord's work. Well, let's not go that far. But regardless, I'm thankful, and I'm happy that if you've listened to all the shows, I'm, I'm just as thankful. You have to be grateful. You have to treat people with a sense of gratitude. And if you took the time out of your day, if you're working, if you're working out, cleaning the house, whatever you're doing listening to this, thank you. I appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, this has been The Offering. When we return for Season 2, it's going to get a little bit crazy. We're going to take it to the next level, and any other buzzwords that you can imagine. Get on it. Help me out. I need your help to make this show grow. We need to come back with a vengeance, and I promise we will in Season 2, because everybody knows... The real money's in the sequel, folks. Well, that's it. It's time for me to hit the old dusty trails and go back into the crypt where I belong. This is Jerry Hara. This has been The Offering. Mostly horror, always genre. Be well, take care of each other, and I'll see you soon. You've been listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. I'm very sorry. Produced by Pete Bune. If you have a question or a story you want to share with me, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter at jerryhara or on Instagram at jerryhara. You get in the picture. Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are provided for you and your family. I want you to enjoy. Just join us next time for another offering. I'm Tom. My partner Mike and I have been friends and co-workers for a long time. And at work, we're known for our daily water cooler conversations about TV shows and movies we are currently watching. Whether we're arguing over which Marvel TV show is the best or agreeing about which Netflix original movie is the worst, the pop culture conversation is always popping on Two Brothers at a Water Cooler. You can listen to Two Brothers at a Water Cooler on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are available. Subscribe and share today. This has been a Sick Boy Wolfgang production. Thank you for listening.